Hey, Rachel. Hello, Brian. So how was your week? It was terrible. <laughs> yes. Just like every other week. Yes. Um, so I finally got a weighted blanket. Oh, I love it. You took my advice, I finally. I took your yeah. advice. Um, Josh ordered me one, and it's heavier than lead. And it's really hard to get out from under it. And I don't problem. need anything hindering me anymore in Right, the you sleep really well, but then you can't get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. That's right. So, so it's, it's perfect for this day and age. It is. When there's no reason to get out of bed in the morning <laughs> because everything is terrible. That is true. That's why you're here. That's why you're listening to us. This is This Week in Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. My name is no. My sign is no. My number is no. You need to let it go. You need to let it go. Need to let it go. Okay, it's been an absolutely terrible week. We have so much stuff to go through with you. But first, a little ray of light, Rachel. We have a public service announcement. Yes, some a little, housekeeping. a little PSA. So um, we are doing a live show in San Francisco. Not on, in not just in my dining room. No, in, actual, in an actual another venue. City, another world-class city. Um, yes, we are doing, uh, it's going to be in a pop-up podcast theater on Valencia Street oh, on May 9th. That is like peak 2019. <laughs> pop-up, <laughs> I know. Podcast studio. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all of the things all mixed the- together. And it's hosted by Beta Brand, and um, I will need some beta blockers. <laughs> but other than that, I'm very excited. So if you live in San Francisco or are going to be in San Francisco May 9th, please come. Um, it's so we be... have, I think we have open DM on Twitter, right? So yes. uh, just DM us at Brian Heck, at Rachel D. Let us know if you're interested. You know, I talk about this sometimes. We have some some weeks we have more listeners in California than we do in New York. Most weeks, actually. Most weeks. Yeah. I don't know how they find out about us. I mean, you like know. I go drag my friends kicking and screaming to listen here in New York, but somehow the word has spread <laughs> to <laughs> Silicon Valley. They're coming out of their bunkers and out of their Googleplexes and listening They're to this podcast. They're on their scooters listening, yes. Absolutely. So. so, okay. So, San Francisco, that's very exciting. You know what else is exciting? What else is exciting? We have a guest. We do. We have a very special guest today, Andrew Goldman, friend of Nope. And like me, he's a journalist turned podcaster. Um, he's written for the New York Times Magazine, WSJ Magazine, Town and Country, all the other magazines, and uh, all of the other <laughs> every magazine. And Car his and driver, podcast. hunting and fishing. Actually, I, I wrote for a magazine called Leg Show, which was a foot fetish magazine. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Many, it takes many to get years ago. To pay many the years rent. ago. Yes. Okay, a foot fetish magazine. So he has a newish podcast called The Originals, and it's fantastic. And we will link to it, and we will talk about it more later. I'm so happy. I can't, I can't tell you how happy I am to be here. I thank love this podcast. Thank you for your support, and we're so glad you're here. Let's dive right into the terribleness of this week. We have an update. Very often we talk about things and we say we're going to update you and keep the, the thread of the plot going, and, and we, we don't forget. because we're not a news podcast. We just talk about whatever stirs we our- We just get stuck in all the horribleness. And That's forget, right. But yeah. this is one, this admission scandal, which we talked about last week, which everybody was talking about, we have to do a little bit of a follow-up because yeah. we got all the facts of the case out and they were like mind-blowing last week. But over the course of the last week, there's been some, we needed a week to process it. We needed to think about what is the larger implication for society, right? There were thought pieces. There was water cooler talk. Everybody yep. was talking about this. And I think one idea that emerged through a very sort of uh, thought-provoking op-ed in the New York Times or trend piece was what it means for parenting. Now, you know we used to have tiger moms, and then we've talked about uh, helicopter parents. And the phenomenon that this admission scandal is now highlighting is snowplow parents. Snowplow <laughs> right. parents. And snowplow parents is the idea that not only are they helicoptering in to actually, like, 
you know, observe and, and protect their children. But now they're actually driving a huge like Zamboni in front of their children through the blizzard snow to clear the path so that they may skate unobstructed through their lives. And they don't know about it. They don't know. They just think it's like a fish in water doesn't know they're in water. They they're just like right. walking. <laughs> they didn't know that it snowed. Exactly. They're just like, they're just like okay, like, there's a nice path here. How did it get here? I don't know. I don't care. It's always been there. That's right. So um, this Times piece was like just spot on. So they had a few good, really good interviews. They focused on one parent that they kicked off the piece, Nicole Eisenberg, and she had a son who they say she the kid wanted to be a star of the stage and screen since he was a toddler. Now, what toddler does not want to be a star of the stage and screen? Do they know what the stage is? Do they know what the screen is? I don't know. They just want to be a star. They just Everybody wants to be a star. And the parents said, uh, Nicole said, we've been working on this since he was three years old. Uh, to apply to this, whatever, performing arts school, I had to take him on 20 auditions for musical theater. But he did it with me. I don't feel like I did this. I supported him in it. I did not helicopter parent him. I was a co-pilot. Oh. Right. So... I mean, I know this is sort of like the old story made new about the stage moms and things like that. But the, it, you know what it is? It's the, it's the lack of self-knowledge that she thinks she's not involved in this. She thinks that, oh, it's really my three-year-old that's driving this. I'm just sort of helping him out a little bit. This is insanity. No, it's ridiculous. But it's not just the stage moms that this is happening to what's <laughs> what's really happening is this is going of course into like young adulthood and adulthood and it's really the effects are really be felt in college mm -hmm. so they this woman wrote this book dr madeline levine she's a psychologist and she said that there is a notable uptick of emotional distress among college students and she said we've had kids have to come home from Emory or Brown because they don't have the minimal kinds of adult skills that one needs to be in college. To which I like say, what? being in college is a pretty safe space. They give you a place to live. A you know, meal like plan. You, there's no bills to play, pay. You go. Your friends are all pre-set up for you in your dorm right there. Like, what do you? What do you have to adjust to? Well, I'll tell you what you have to adjust to. <laughs> okay, what? You, you have to adjust to the meal plan, and not just any part of the meal oh. plan. It's the sauce. The sauce? <laughs> yes. There is a sauce crisis oh in college campuses right now. Do so tell. They, they quote this one student slash patient who said that she didn't like to eat food with sauce. Her whole life, her parents had helped her avoid sauce, calling oh. friends before going to their houses at dinner. To make sure that they didn't serve anything Have with sauce. Have sauce, right. At college, she didn't know how to cope with the cafeteria options, all covered in sauce. Okay. I deal with this. Go, go ahead. <laughs> I, college is about exposure to ideas and sauces. That may not be familiar to you. Yes. yes. It is about nothing if not the sauce. If you don't taste the Bernays <laughs> and the Hollandaise, how are, do you know? I waged you like a it. war with my 8- and 10-year-old over the fact that I glazed the brisket. Oh, they don't like the, the glaze. The, the Irish, uh, you know, we had the Irish dinner, the boiled Irish dinner, and I, I put, uh, I actually baked the corn, uh, the corn beef, and I put a layer of honey mustard. Oh, on you it. terrible parent! I know. I'm calling child services. <laughs> this <laughs> is we deal with this at eight and ten, so that by the time they get to college, they're acclimated. They don't to scream the about the fact sauce. that there's a sauce. <laughs> that's uh, they're that's, like ready. They're ready to accept by by fourteen. They're ready to accept a sauce and garnishes. Garnishes. We must open Those ourselves. are triggers. Gar <laughs> a sprig yeah. of parsley. Yeah. <laughs> Forget it. A history, a whole history of oppression is triggered 
buy a, a sprig of parsley. Or, yes, or a little oregano. This person, let me tell you, is not fit <laughs> to leave the house, <laughs> let alone not be in college. college. How about this one? The dean of freshmen at Stanford, oh, I didn't recall that anymore. Dean of freshmen at Stanford says she routinely sees parents calling up to arrange play dates for their freshmen what? at Stanford in their dorm. This, I, I don't, I'm, I'm going to jump out the window. <laughs> social skill at college. You show up college freshman week, you sit, someone sits on their like dorm steps, plays the guitar, everyone sits around and sings whatever songs, and you make friends, and you make your best friends the first week of college, and then you forget about that, whatever it is. That's the whole point of college. That's so embarrassing. Is there any, is there any atrocity name for, for basically eliminating a generation? Is there a name for that? Like, uh, Generation Melanocide? Rest- yeah. Melanocide. <laughs> so no, this is uh this is absolutely terrible. I mean, this is I'm glad that we had a week to process this. This is not actually the admission scandal, but this is what happens when those people who were griftily, you know, gotten into the college, they arrive at college and it does them no good because they do not they have the skills be to there. No, and the problem starts at three with toddlers. They do not want to be on the stage and screen. They they, they want to play with teenagers. They want to, Ninja Turtles. They want, right. And they take, just give your children different sauces. Expose them to, to sauces. The sauces. It's all about the sauces, <laughs> the herbs, the garnishes. No devices unless they eat the sauces. That's that's oh, what you got to do. Oh, that is practical parenting yes. right here. We are news you can use. No, yeah. we don't just complain about things. We give you we will the include practical a items. So no, no to... <laughs> Sauces. No, no sauces. No to snowplow parenting. Just let your kids be. Let them run around with scissors. Let them do whatever the fuck they want their kids. If they can't do it now, when are they going to do it? In them. Absolutely. Yeah. AJ, you're, uh, Rachel, you're not uh, restricting AJ's sauces, are you? I am, actually. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like sauces, but you know what? He's only five. But he so. likes to dip. Everyone, Every kid loves the chicken nuggets and the fish fingers, don't he, they? He d- will dip occasionally, and he likes hummus. We're, like we're ranch? working on like the ketchup? ranch. He doesn't like ketchup. What? Yeah, so we're working on it. Well, that's actually Okay, so no, let's just shut this down. Snow plowing parents. No snow plow parents. Sauce aversion. No, just shut it down. Rachel, got anything else about scammers, grifters? Scammers and grifters. Subjects of recent documentaries? Yeah, I I mean, I cannot get enough information about Elizabeth Holmes. Oh, yeah. And I've been, like, mainlining it. Okay, I have been... um, I've been more mainlining than you have. I've been averting... I don't know. I've been averting my gaze. So anything you say to me about it is going to be news to me. Oh, good. So I'll, I'll get some, like, fresh reactions. But so I watched... The movie, the Alex Gibney documentary. I'm listening to the podcast. I'm about to start reading the book. Are you doing all three? I read the book. Oh, okay. I read the book. So I am triple threat. (laughs) Okay. I am developing the musical. (laughs) (laughs) Give me a new Hamilton. (laughs) Theranos. (laughs) Theranos the musical. musical. So um, my apologies to the other Elizabeth Holmes, who I know has gotten swept up in this. But, um, you know, even though it it broke in the Wall Street Journal four years ago, it's just become like such a phenomenon right now. And um, on its surface, just to back up, it's the story of the Silicon Valley blood testing company that was founded by this young woman and hailed as the next unicorn, valued at $13 raised a billion, and then it imploded. Um, 
But I'm coming to realize that this is really the story of a bunch of old geezers who somehow were beguiled by this young, blonde sociopath with the voice of James Earl Jones. (laughs) (laughs) This is CNN. (laughs) Yes. It's insane. Wait, so she has a deep voice. I looked at I just looked at a picture of her. She's a little odd looking. (laughs) (laughs) So like I, I've heard it described, and like I guess I've seen snippets, but I never fully appreciated the like deep baritone. Dulcet? Is it dulcet? It's, is it pleasing or unsettling? It's um deeply, deeply disturbing. Like if you were in a <laughs> meeting unsettling. with this person, like she doesn't blink. Her makeup is like sort of smudged, and she has like these like crazy split ends. <laughs> wait, and, so, wait. <laughs> like she's ripped who? off. As I understand it, she's been well, like she a huge charmed. cancer. And your problem with her is her split ends. And everybody talks about her charm, and I'm like, who was charmed? And then I'm like, oh, okay, it's George Schultz. Who's she like has 90, charmed 96. people who are 97 years old who they, only see sort of. Shapes. They see shapes and they hear murmurs. Like shadows. That's exactly it. Oh, I see split ends. They see blonde hair. They see like a big like fluff of blonde hair. I'll invest. I'll invest. And they're like, here's "Here's, my checkbook. Here's my money. So she had on her board um, James Mattis, the Oh, Secretary yeah. of Defense. And James Madison. He- Henry age appropriate. <laughs> Henry Kissinger. Also George, age appropriate. George Schultz. I mean Wait, so this is the above ninety board crew. It's uh, yeah, it's this is a nonagenarian. And none of them edge. had any expertise in science, nor did she. She so took she like just, one like, class. Sucked them in to her board and her investor. She base. beguiled them with her <laughs> unblinking, swirling pinwheel eyes. <laughs> And they couldn't resist but give her all of their money. Like Rupert Murdoch, another old, old man, gave her $125 million, which I think is ironic. I thought you were going to say 1000 $125 million. Yes, yes. That's not chicken feed. No, it's a lot. Even for him, that's Even a lot. Even for him. And then his own newspaper took them down, which I find to be... Oh, kind of admirable. Admirable, no? Admirable, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, so she... So, okay, so... <laughs> Henry Kissinger in this documentary. <laughs> I have to just go through some. Henry of the Kissinger crazy allowed things. himself to be interviewed so for this documentary. <laughs> did he know what a documentary is? No, he. It was a clip from another previous thing that he did, and okay. he said she's like a member of a monastic order, and compared her to Archimedes. <laughs> okay, did she have a golden crown displacing <laughs> water from her tub? <laughs> she. So she had this other big wig investor who was skeptical because she didn't have any like science background and was like a college drop out who took one class um but he said that he realized that she had it because her great grandfather was an entrepreneur oh and, runs in the family and her uncle was a doctor did you see this i did and my like, uncle is a doctor and so it runs in her blood but like that's not how <laughs> entrepreneurship <laughs> works it's that's not how Entre- genetics works the first works. rule of entrepreneurship <laughs> is it's, it works however it works it is its own fulfilling destiny. i think basically what you have to do is you have to sort of like put hands over your eyes <laughs> and cotton in your ears and have elizabeth holmes talk to you and it's just like being spoken to by like 
Heather Locklear. <laughs> in 1983. That's what it is. Okay, now, do, Rachel, do you have any other? Well, I, I do want to talk about one other scene. So, yes, she has no charisma also, and you can't really watch her move. Like, you, you need to, because she has this one She moves scene. like she's wearing a flesh suit. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't she? Yes, like, like, she's very robotic. Like, if somebody was like, she's a robot, I would not be surprised. Okay. So there's this scene where they they ink this big deal, and she has this big party, and she's dancing to Can't Touch oh This. God. To wait, what? Can't Touch This oh. by MC Hammer. Oh and she's, like, trying to, like, party and be festive, and it's just... Um, Painful. It's it's terrible. It's really terrible. So um, so no, Elizabeth Holmes. No, no. You belong in jail. I still can't get enough information about you. I'm so fascinated. <laughs> but what's by her what's her partner's name? Um, Sunny Balwani. Do we do you think of Sunny and and her together as like we think of George and uh, and <laughs> Kellyanne? No, no, I haven't until not this to. very moment. Sorry. I'm going to throw Okay, up. no, I'm shutting this down. I'm moving All right, it I'm on. Sorry. No, no, <laughs> no. No, that was too terrible to contemplate. So I'm going to talk about George Conway, D.C. Mm. attorney, right? So uh, this guy's a Trump critic. He's always on Twitter critiquing especially Trump's mental fitness. He thinks it's a big, clear 25th Amendment case. And if that last name, Conway, sounds familiar, it is because he is the husband of... Flack Kellyanne Conway, who is one of the most despicable goblins in the (laughs) orbit of this grifter. In the history of humanity. So um, finally, after George Conway, quote unquote, trolling uh, Trump for so long, he finally lashed back. He finally uh, uh, tweeted back and Trump said, George Conway, often referred to as as Mr. Kellyanne Conway by those who know him, (laughs) it's like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like you don't have to know him to call, <laughs> to call him, him that okay, often referred to as Mr. Kellyanne Conway to those who know him is very jealous of his wife's success and angry that I with her help didn't give him a job he so desperately wanted I barely know him but just take a look he's stone cold loser and husband from hell <laughs> So if he's called that from those who know him, but he doesn't know him, then how does he know that he's, he's a husband that? from hell? Because Kellyanne comes in and says George is a husband from hell. It's incredible. So um, George, Con- George Conway responded on Twitter listing the symptoms of narcissistic personality disorder and malignant narcissism and like literally like a DSM list of them and said, like, does this sound familiar? This is obviously like our cousin Lance Dotus. <laughs> he wrote a whole book about Trump's narcissism. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yes, he's we like a so Harvard <laughs> psychiatry medical professor. books yeah. in our in our family. I thought you were outing him as a malignant narcissist. <laughs> no, right. no, no. So no, he wrote a book about Trump. Okay. <laughs> right? Is he the pianist, the Ben Folds guy? Um, what do you mean? Don't we have a Ben Folds cousin? Isn't Ben Folds our cousin? We went to what? go see him live. Ben Folds? You yeah. mean Josh Dota? Oh, yeah, that's Josh Dota. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, his son. Actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So George Conway took to the Washington Post to explain why he was doing all of this. He said, the men- so, and, and how could he do this with being married to Kellyanne Conway? And he said, the mendacity, the incompetence, it's just maddening to watch. The tweeting of his is just the way to get it out so I can get it off my chest and move on with the rest of my life. And frankly, it's so I don't wind up screaming at my wife about it. To which I say, 
Scream at your wife about it. Divorce your wife Divorce about it. Divorce your wife. He has no credibility. And as long as he's married to that monster. Do you remember in the 90s when it was like James Carville and Mary Matlin and it was like, oh, no, they disagree on NAFTA. Yeah. How scandalous. <laughs> the cynical, don't you, do, you ta- do you believe the cynical take that this is all kind of maneuvering to have some sort of uh, naughty talk show on, on like, Fox yeah, News? Yeah, it's like a is performance. That what it is? I think so. You think so? Because why would he still be married to somebody if he disagrees She's so monster. wholeheartedly with the person that she works for? And like, is, like this person is fundamentally at odds with all of his values. How could they be together? Now, you would think that Kellyanne would rush to his defense or sort of like mediate and try to say, well, they both have their strong points of view. But no. But no, she She doesn't. completely takes Trump's side. Here's her quote said he he george left it alone oh no trump left it alone for months out of respect for me but do you think he shouldn't respond when someone a non-medical professional accuses him of having a mental disorder you think he should just take that sitting down that's what she said yeah about her own husband i mean take it keep it keep it between those four walls that's like for the for the bedroom maybe this is their kink maybe like oh. they like publicly it's like, funny like that you say kink, but I, there's something about this couple every time i Every time they come up, I, I'm forced to think about them making love. Do you yeah. think about it? <laughs> yes, I've really I tried. Do. In fact, do you I like it? it? I, no, <laughs> no, no, I do not like no, it. No, I think they it's have like billions. I think it's they like, are like very like Fifty Shades. Oh, this <laughs> really? is how they torture each other. Yes. Oh, that's kind of hot. They have like a like a room. <laughs> Although the thought of Kellyanne Conway in the bedroom is one of the most repulsive things I can well, ever think of. Well, she sleeps in like a coffin. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> I think she does. <laughs> so many of these stories, you know, I was just thinking about this. So many of these stories, I mean, the, the old fuck, Mary, what is it? Fuck, Mary, kill game. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I feel like there should be a new game, which is like kill, kill slower. And then kill slower. Kill painfully. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you think? Yes. Oh, my God. We're in like a libel kill slander. Kill mercifully. We're in a slander hole now. We're in a Conway <laughs> slander cave that's about to be flooded by the tide. I am going tides. to kill George Conway mercifully. Oh, mercifully. Okay, good. Yes. Okay, let's you not talk about. You think he deserves a merciful yes, killing? Yes, I a, do. A gentle and Kellyanne euthanasia. a slightly slower. Yes. Yes. Okay. And we know who gets the slow, painful one. Yeah. Okay. Moving on, Rachel. Oh, uh, there's more. In, in well, the yeah. So, like, so George Conway is not the only person that Donald Trump has been feuding with this week. Shocking. Okay. Um, he's also been feuding with the late John McCain. <laughs> oh, who cannot defend himself? <laughs> who is not around to defend himself? But today he was. He <laughs> At least was there's Lindsey Graham, that bastion of sensibility, to right. defend him. To defend John McCain. Yeah, right. right. But he'll just be like, I love John McCain and will not like denounce anything that Trump no, says. But no. so Trump was giving a speech today at some like tank factory and he said, <laughs> um, he just like turned it into a rant about John McCain. And he said, I gave him the kind of funeral that he wanted. I didn't get a thank you. Wait, what? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. wait so, I have so <laughs> many questions. That? First of all, he did not give John McCain a funeral. John McCain had a funeral, right? Like, <laughs> right. does he think every funeral that occurs within the boundaries of the United States was granted by his grace? No. Number no. one. I think Number he feels th- as president of the United States, he's probably he probably has the right to attend any funeral he wants. So right. he And he, he should ch- get a thank he you did, note for he, any funeral. He, 
he gets a thank you note for not attending funerals. <laughs> <laughs> or for allowing funerals to occur. Yes. Or weddings, bar mitzvahs, brisses. Yes. But, but you guys, you'll remember that John McCain specifically like noted him. that he did not want Donald Trump to attend his funeral. Right. So this is obviously him still stewing about not being invited to this event. To which what I, triggered? Do we know what triggered him? Why all of a sudden he was triggered? John McCain has been dead for how many <laughs> for months? Like a year now, months. yeah, whatever, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think he's being haunted There's some by Megan the ghost McCain. Of... There's some Megan McCain story or, or his wife McCain story. There's that... Right. There's been some, like, um, activity bubbling up there There's with Megan McCain. McCain. McCain bubbling. Well, he did say, he said something else this week about, you know, the thumbs down and how he never liked him. And oh, it's just like. God, I, just grow just, up, just fucking grow up. And George Conway, good for you for talking about the mendacity, the incompetence, the mental illness. He no, just makes no, so George. many despicable people like Megan McCain look so wonderful, doesn't he? he, yeah. he that's his Megan great, McCain is like a saint. She's going to be canonized. She's going to be Saint Megan. He's managed to really put all of these horrible people in a really positive light. I and know. Okay. I, shut, I, no, this no. is enough. Shut this right. down. No. No, no shut no this down. No shooting with dead people? No. You know what I want to talk about next? Cats. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, Not the Broadway show. Well, okay. Other so, beloved cats. So Toronto, you'll be happy to know, <laughs> is getting North America's first Garfield-themed <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> oh, no, really? Garfield the cat. I thought it was like a joke, yes, but I had yes, to, I explored uh, further. Obviously, I introduced it. I saw that coming. So Garfield the cat in Toronto. Garfield the cat. Yes. Is he particularly big among Canadians, like Baywatch in Germany? We'll have like... to ask Lauren Meckling, who's half Canadian. I'll, I'll ask her. <laughs> okay. if Garfield well, we all really know Canadians, <laughs> but we can ask them. Okay. Um, so, like Garfield, why now? <laughs> why? <laughs> I feel. Am, am I imagining this, or at Disney? Did I go to a Kathy restaurant? I think that it was my my kicker for this segment. Oh Kathy God, no! Is, Kathy <laughs> is having a comeback. I'm sorry. Kathy is having a comeback. I hate <laughs> Mondays. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it's it's all around us. The the comic strips of the '80s are having it's a, a comeback. renaissance. So uh, I so <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've never really once thought to myself, "I love this pizza." I need more. But Garfield. I only wish it was shaped like the head of Garfield. No, come on. It's, it's, a, it's a all lasagna restaurant. No. It's got to be right? No, no, no. It's so it's called Garfield Eats and it's about Fusion. to open. And the press release said it's the first Fusion. restaurant dedicated to the 40-year-old cartoon cat in North America. There's already one operating in Dubai. Oh, <laughs> the epicenter. Wait, I have a question. Garfield. Is Garfield now 40 years old? D- does Garfield age or is it like the Simpsons where they don't age? Well, Garfield if Garfield was like a real cat, he'd be dead. He'd be long dead. dead. Long, Odie, long forget dead. it. Odie would be long gone, right? Yeah. So, um, but let me tell you more about this restaurant. <laughs> yes, there, so there's going to be what they call an entergagement app, which is like half entertainment, half engagement, and it allows you to order lasagna as well as pizza and cookies in the likeness of Garfield's head. Um, it has a Garfuccino, which is like a Garfield <laughs> cappuccino. Like a you can buy merch and you can chat with Garfield with like-minded Garfield fans. Oh. And if you order on the app, the drivers will deliver your order for free on a Garfield scooter. Um, and That's a are, big upfront capital investment. I know. All those Garfield scooters. But what they spend on Garfield scooters, <laughs> they make up it <laughs> not paying for any employees in the restaurant. Wait, Wait what? what? 
What, what? Do have, what do they have? Cats delivering the food? <laughs> no, it's it's all automated. You order from mobile phones that are attached to walls. Okay. Because what says warm and fuzzy Garfield? What's a cuddly cat like, <laughs> like mobile a, ordering? So and you can play augmented reality Garfield games while you wait for oh, your that's food. That's kind of cute. And um, no. <laughs> this is not normal. No, we do not need. <laughs> oh, we no. have enough. We have enough. Oh, I, I don't know where that intellectual property is, like in the IP universe, but we did not need to revive that. Jim Davis, why did he? Where go are for you, this? Jim How Davis? How much money are they paying? And Kathy, why don't have a Kathy restaurant? Let's merge them. Nobody even knows this who is Kathy the, is anymore. Let's have Kathy Line Leukemia of the service industry. Yeah. Dilbert <laughs> and what Boondocks, whatever those all those nineties camp. And put them all together. Put them all together, have a theme park and a theme restaurant, have Guy Fieri run it, and suddenly it's a hit. Flavor Town. Flavor Town. No, no, please spare us. We do not want a Garfield restaurant. I know it's in Canada, but we don't want it. I kind of secretly hope it would come to New York so we could absolutely demolish it. Could you imagine the Pete Wells review of the Garfield (laughs) restaurant in Times Square? Oh, God, yeah. It would be good. It would be like that one with all the questions. Yes. Well, that was the Guy (laughs) Fieri one. No, bring it on. And yet, still, no. No. Uh, okay, Rachel, I think you have one. Yeah, so um, I want to talk about Julianne Moore. Oh, I love her. Um, She's one of our yeah. finest writing actresses. So curious so, about this particular one. So talented. So she was on Watch What Happens Live a couple weeks ago, and she got a question from a viewer about a movie, Can You Ever Forgive Me? Yeah. Um, which was a movie starring Melissa McCarthy that was nominated for many Oscars, and I didn't know that Julianne Moore ever had anything to do with it. And the question was, why did she leave the project? And Julianne Moore said that she was set to play the lead and she got fired by Nicole Holof Center. Wait, who, who fires Julianne Moore? Who fires Julianne Moore, right? So One does not fire so, Julianne Moore. But Nicole Holof Center did. She was the director before Marielle Heller took over. She was the screenwriter. There was a lot of problems. Anyway, Melissa McCarthy was great. The film was nominated. She was nominated for Best Actress. But who fires Julianne? Uh, you know, I just kept thinking what is the what is There's the issue? gotta be something behind this so no? julianne moore said that she and nicole had uh creative differences and you always wonder like what are those create like what does that mean right when people say creative differences it's like a divorce like it's usually irreconcilable differences. isn't it usually very petty it's it, not about performance well this was about uh, <laughs> a prosthetic nose <laughs> <laughs> okay <Yeah. laughs> so <laughs> did julianne moore have one or didn't want to wear one or so, did wear one or didn't wear it well <laughs> you've put Fourth many options, but not the one that is oh, correct. No, I thought those, that was a comprehensive list of options. So the Hollywood Reporter revealed this week that the creative differences were that Julianne Moore wanted to wear a fake nose to play the lead role of Lee Israel. And Nicole Holf Center shut down the request, believing that it was too distracting. Okay. Um, but I guess... Why did she want to wear it? I guess nose. she was in the the hours. Remember, yeah. when, I was uh, just gonna say the hours, but yeah. she didn't wear the prosthetic nose, did was, she? It was Nicole Kidman who wore. Was she the, jealous? And she looked like she jealous <laughs> of the prosthetic <laughs> nose because it was yeah. like Oscar bait. She wanted to. She wanted the Oscar bait, like if, if she didn't have she the, nose. the nose. <laughs> I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but the only thing I remember about that film is the prosthetic nose. I know. So maybe Nicole Hofsinger was right when she said it would be too distracting because we all remember that. Oh, um, but anyway, so. They they gave the role to Melissa McCarthy. She did not wear a fake nose, and she got nominated for Best Actress anyway. So she's so damn good. She's so damn she's so good. Damn, she don't need did no the, nose. Uh, did, the, did the prosthetic nose come with uh, 
glasses and a mustache? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody would recognize. <laughs> That's the pinnacle of acting. <laughs> Costume design nomination. Hair cinematography. Styling. Film editing for a short documentary. They would win everything. They would win everything. Okay, so, no, no, no. Julianne Moore, just don't <laughs> wear, wear your own nose. It's beautiful. We love, your no- we love everything about you, Julianne Keep Moore. Keep the nose. But Nobody should ever wear a fake nose unless you're playing like the Predator or something. Or, yeah, or Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill. No, no, no. Just no. shut this down. No. Um, let me see what I got. Um, okay. We've been, uh, we've mentioned a few times the anti-vaxxer movement and it's terrible for so many reasons. And practically now kids are getting measles. It's really, you know, kids are actually coming down with diseases because of it. And it's terrible. And there's now been an other outbreak. Um, there has been an outbreak of herpes and it's not just any herpes. It is space herpes. (gasps) Oh my God. Yes. Space herpes. Like from aliens? (laughs) <laughs> Almost. Um, this is from the journal uh, called Frontiers in Microbiology, and it 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 reports that fifty three percent of astronauts, even those who just like briefly go up in orbit and come down, fifty three percent of astronauts get space herpes. Wait, <laughs> I have some questions. <laughs> I'm not sure I have the answer because this is based on a two paragraph story in the New York Post. <laughs> I had a lot of. I read that story. Okay. I have a lot of questions. Okay, about I will that attempt too. to make up some answers. Is it because they have sex in space? I don't think so. I think it's that it's in their genitals i don't know where it lives and it is dormant and then something about the space radiation or atmosphere or lack thereof Sends causes it, it to, to jump to someone else's genitals. no i don't think it's communicable i don't think it's I, I think it's already in you and it comes alive i read oh. this story and i just had was that your take <laughs> no i just had this image of like Cold sore and crusted astronaut lips. I, think I did not genital. think. Oh, I did not think it was, was genital. <laughs> I was looking. I kept waiting. I kept. I was in the third paragraph, and there was like, where? When are they going to tell this? If this is the good herpes or the bad herpes? <laughs> herpes like the oh good, well, the good I Hodgkin. think it's because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so right. So I imagine right. So the astronauts coming down. I don't know if they splash down anymore. How they get down, right? But they come down and they do the little medical examination. They're like, oh, you look all right. Take off your your underwear and they're like my god the the herpes came back so maybe they're just in a very stressed environment i feel like they're definitely just stress in space really don't you initially have to be infected with the herpes virus by somebody who has herpes there is an astronaut who is fucking (laughs) all of the other there's patient zero yeah clearly a patient zero (laughs) i think like john glenn Neil Armstrong had herpes, and everybody since has fucked either fucked John Glenn or, or fucked Neil, someone, someone who, who has. Right? Yeah. It's like it's six, a small six degrees of separation from John Glenn's herpes. <laughs> Sorry, John Glenn, American hero. I just infected you. Wasn't with there herpes. another group of people who had chlamydia? Oh no, that was koala bears. <laughs> Koalas have koala chlamydia. Have, okay. Yeah, didn't they give it to like Colin Farrell? No, John Oliver. John Oliver <laughs> gave it to Colin Farrell. Okay, <laughs> this has been rewarding. People have been listening to us over the last year and a half. But no, can we just shut down the? I'm sorry, I brought it up. The space herpes. I mean, it's worth noting just for the word space herpes. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot going on there that I think we don't we're gonna know. Have to, based on the two I think paragraphs, it's all sort of a scam so that Valtrex can actually sponsor future space flights. Yes, uh, there you go. It's gonna have the logo on the side. Elon Musk will take any. 
any sponsorship from anyone. Yes. Hi, Elon. Call me. Call me. We know what to do. Nope. No. Nope. Shut okay. it down. Um, speaking of uh, scammers, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> um, we've talked a lot about the Fire Festival. There were the two competing documentaries that came out earlier this year. Yeah, dueling documentaries. Billy McFarland is in jail. What else is there to say? This chapter in our disgraceful cultural life is closed, For right? a festival that never happened. For We've it, it, certainly talked the, a lot about that's it. That's right. And uh, the, the story lived long past the festival, which didn't occur. However, there is an addendum here. There is a coda. And it is that the, as with the scam of Bernie Madoff, the U.S. Marshals are still trying to find ways to pay off the victims of the scam. Not just the people who attended and got their money, but the, the idiot investors who, you know, got scammed by this as well. So they are, they are grasping for the only sources of revenue that they can possibly find. So they are holding an auction. Now, you would think when there's auction, there would be, I, I don't know what they would auction, but it turns out that there are extant two boxes of swag. From the okay. Fire Festival. No. This is original swag, which is highly valuable. And the, the catalog, like Sotheby's catalog for it, claims we have an assortment of the, quote, real thing Fire Festival, branded T-shirts, sweatpants, sweatshirts, hats, and wristbands. And these are valuable items. The wristbands, the starting bids are $1,000 per wristband. And the hats are six hundred. This is nonsense. This is made up. This is fake. No, bidding. this is a real thing. This is fake. This is like remember we talked about how there were those two princes who were bidding against each other <laughs> for that like Leonardo da Vinci painting. Yes, yes. This is that. It's like Billy McFarland He's and bidding like, against right. himself to drive up. No, but they, he doesn't get the proceeds. The victims get the proceeds. So they probably have their wristbands are going to buy this back the their longest wristband. con ever. Yes, this, this is, is all go the on. long con was. We're going to be in like the, no, no, no. It was all. It was all to the, to sell this stupid merch. <laughs> we're going to be we're going <laughs> right. to be in the presidential yes. election of twenty forty when Billy McFarland's running for president, and we are going to be like the Mueller report of the day is going to be digging up the files on like who sold the wristbands. I want them to sell the cheese sandwiches. Oh my god! That's what I was thinking. I would buy that cheese sandwich. Or, yeah, or the FEMA tents. The FEMA tents. Now there, there is one original. There is a lot of fire uh, festival like knockoff merch because it's kind of become a like ironic. Well, there's going to be like thing. fire festival for Target line. Right? You know? <laughs> really? It's, no, it's, no, no. It's, there is one. So Andy King, who's that like accomplice that Billy McFarland? He's the one who said oh, that he one. would blow the customs official. Oh. He would let it in. There is now a T-shirt with his image and his name on. He is a cult. Hero. He is the only person who comes out looking good from this whole this whole documentary. Does he look thing. good? I beg to differ. I don't. I, think, I like him. I feel for him, but he does not come out looking good. <laughs> no, I agree. No, not so good. Okay, so um, will, we will we, as a podcast, be bidding on the thousand dollar wristbands from the fire? I'm waiting Festival. for the Chinese knockoff. Yeah. Sure, why not? Why, why not? not? We have, we're earning so much money from this podcast. We might <laughs> we're, we we're, have to reinvest our dividends. We're flush. <laughs> we're absolutely flush in cash. Okay, so no, stop selling. This should all be impounded. It should be incinerated. It should Just be burned the ashes, in a The ashes fire. are worth more than the fucking memorabilia. So no, fire Festival. No, U.S. Marshals, just give this up. It's already taken more of our time. No, we don't want to ever talk about it again. Absolutely not. Shut it down. No. no. Nope. We've got to move on. This has uh, been such such terrible such topics. <laughs> How do we wind up with this lineup? I thought oh. we, we had some little rays of light, and so we got to move to them now. These are usually our yups. I do I do have one yup that I want to get to. 
Okay, my yup goes to Karen Keskula Ullenbeck, who you may not have heard of, but she is a mathematician at the University of Texas, Austin. and she My is, alma mater. Yeah, oh, really? My U- alma mater. UT Austin, and she is the first ever winner of the most prestigious mathematics prize, the Abel Prize. Um, and it's incredible that... That's amazing. Out of all these years of mathematics, you would think, no, women, women aren't good at math. They don't know, they don't... They're not good at the hard scientists. Well, here you go, Karen. I don't know exactly what she did. Tell it to Larry Summers, your former school president. <laughs> don't, don't put him on me. <laughs> um, yeah, she won, what, $704,000? Um, I'm not smart enough to know exactly what she did, but she was good at math. <laughs> She's good at STEM. Um, and my up goes to Karen Keskula Ullenbeck of oh. UT Austin for winning the Abel Prize for Mathematics. Hook em. Do you know that term? No. That- Hook em. Hook 'em horns. Oh, hook 'em. Oh, you gotta go like this. Oh, that was in the crossword puzzle the other day. All right. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know it. Okay. Anyway, uh, Rachel, what about your yup? Okay, my yup goes to you, Andrew Goldman, <laughs> and your podcast, The Originals. And um, I think that we've both sort of uh, been complicit in this whole celebrity industrial complex when we were interviewing people and these what happens is you know you've got these celebrities and they have a project to promote and so they do the interviews and I've always wondered what it would be like if you could just sit down and talk to somebody with no agenda no particular promotional you know product to get out there and just like have a conversation and they would give zero fucks and just t- like spill the tea and tell it all and that's what this podcast that was, is that was that was basically the idea behind the podcast because I'd been through that Several times, I got fired, uh, not fired, but uh, I got uh, thrown off of a piece for asking Katie Holmes about Scientology and Tom Cruise. Uh, generally, when I found, I found that when you interviewed celebrities, when they were promoting something, they never actually wanted to participate. Right. They, it, right. they didn't want to talk. It was an obligation, and I can understand why they would be reticent. So, yes, I decided that I wanted to talk to people who didn't have those... Um, Strictures, I guess. Um, so the originals is about people who I think in a lot of cases haven't been spoken to in some time and they have a lot of stuff to say. They have access to grind and they have stories to tell. Okay, so your last episode was really fascinating. Um, it was an interview with Bobby Zaram, who was like a you know one of the OG publicists in Hollywood and it had tons of revelations and I don't want to, you know, Go ahead, spoil too many them. spoilers. <laughs> but okay, so he tells this one story about how he was going to meet with Liz Taylor, I think it was in London. At right? the yeah, at the invitation of Michael Caine and his wife, who who are very close friends of his. Okay. And he got laryngitis and Liz Taylor at this London restaurant performed some sort of like witchcraft. <laughs> he claims that yes, he <laughs> was he went he went. <laughs> You know, Bobby Bobby is is sort of a wonderful character, and he's been around forever, um, and he worships celebrities, and he got into being a publicist for celebrities because he worshipped them, and he worshipped no one more than Liz Taylor. And he mm-hmm. shows up in London to see her, and I think, uh, was that Little Foxes? Mm-hmm. or uh, And he shows up, and he has laryngitis. And he goes to all the doctors in London that he can to heal himself of laryngitis so that when he does go he to dinner to with Michael Caine, that he can talk to Liz Taylor. Nothing works. He shows up with laryngitis. He can't say a word. Uh, and then uh, she performs this 
Like Incredible incantation. incantation on him. The sorcery. Like sorcery in the middle of a restaurant, like chanting in like seven different languages. Yes, right? Ms. Tongue. Yes. She's speaking in tongues. Yes. yes, she does. And you asked him, do you think she had magical powers? And he said, yes. He does. And he she, did think she, she had cured his powers. laryngitis. Oh my God. Yes. And he, he blurted out the answer to a question that she asked. The question happened to be Erte. It's a long story. But. I mean, I think that Bobby – Bobby was the first interview I did for the podcast and Bobby um, – you know, frequently I was sitting – listening to his stories and, I, and, you know, people who've listened to the to the episode, you know, there there are stories that involve um, how Tom Cruise uh, – why Tom Cruise got a quick divorce from Katie Holmes uh, about, um, you know – John Travolta's love life around the time of Saturday Night Fever that was just jaw-dropping. That was jaw-dropping. Can I say what happened? Please. <laughs> he was having an affair with Gerard Depardieu. <laughs> <laughs> Who among us has not lusted after Gerard Depardieu? He was a know, handsome Bobby, man at one look, time. <laughs> look, I didn't, I didn't necessarily believe Bobby. Bobby, you know... Said, "Oh yeah, he was um, he was dating that guy who was in that you know uh, green ticket." Uh, and I was like, "That French? That you mean the French actor?" He was, yeah. I said, "Gerard Depardieu," and he said, "Yes." And I said, "That can't possibly be true." And then I Google imaged them. There are a thousand images of Travolta. It's like and Michael Gerard Jackson Depardieu. with the kids. Like we didn't notice it at the time. He was always walking around with these kids, and then we go back and like, oh my god! Like a hundred percent of the time, he was holding the hand. Exactly. Of the child. That was. Except by Michael Jackson, you Gerard Depardieu was not six years old, but <laughs> but I totally believe it. I At mean, it's, time. it's sort of wonderful. Um, All right. Well, to wrap it up, let me just say this on a, on a very personal note. I mean, Andrew's been a friend of the podcast. We were at our live show, which we greatly which we appreciate. appreciate. And we think it's really important. There are so many, I wouldn't say it's corporate, but like the podcast world, there's so many, they're all NPR and they're, you know, there's so many big companies that are now producing podcasts and i really think we all should support just like you support nope for which we're very grateful support independent podcasters yes. we're just starting out with amazing content we think content wins with original approaches like the originals and we really encourage you to go one episode will convince you just go listen just subscribe just you know just rally you know, it really rally it around. means so yeah. much because actually i mean i don't want to this shouldn't be like you know the mutual admiration society but i think you guys you guys do a really wonderful product here. It's really, I mean, and you, you know, you give your you give your guests booze <laughs> <laughs> and room to and room to rant and room, and room to, to, rant, to rant. But no, no, I think that uh, no, I think you're absolutely right because I, you know, I feel like there are a lot of undiscovered podcasts and I, and um, I hope that I could someday aspire to be as wonderful as this. Podcast. Oh, oh thank you. I better stop it there because it's only going to get worse. <laughs> oh, thank I'm you, sorry. thank <laughs> you so much for listening. This has been a, you've been a wonderful guest. This has been a terrible week, but it's been a really fun podcast to record. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please listen, rate, review. We're on all your podcast platforms. If you're not going to give us five stars, just don't fucking bother. We're not interested in your opinion. You can tweet us at Brian Heck at Rachel D. If you want to come to the San Francisco. Uh, live show, please let us know. Let us know. Email us at thisweekinnope at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Uh, until next week, this has been This Week in Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. Why not be my-